0: Thank you, Ruth. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite comfortable down here. That's good. Cool. Hey, good morning, Arise. Just what a, a, a sorry, excite. Sorry. <laughs> excite. Uh, just a great joy for us to be here again this morning. And uh, just before we begin, I'm going to let Vicky just share a few thoughts and comments. Um, we were blessed to be at the um, Impact Night the other night. And uh, we just think that the outreach um, coming out of um, Excite here is phenomenal. And the impact around the North is amazing. And you as a church are actually having an impact um, in an amazing way right through Northland. So we want to just um, thank you and and just speak blessings over you for serving Northland and uh, the wider community in youth outreach. You know, the next generation, the now generation Hearing the good news, what an exciting thing! So, thank you for everyone who Paul and Ruth, the vision of the um, the youth outreach, and what's happening through the north as a result of that. That's awesome. You guys are amazing. Thank you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes. Oh, kia ora. lovely to be with you. Um, I just feel like we've had a feast already this morning yeah. with everything that's been with um, Paul's exhortation to us and and um and the worship, and it's just been amazing. And the theme that um, Paul's been talking about is about experiencing Jesus, and um and I, I just wanted to share um a, um like you know that he, just like Paul was saying he's the source of our life, yeah, and right. um and and I feel like the, the Maori people have given us such a gift um to New Zealand that the gift that they have of a hongi um they carry the hongi and the last thing Jesus did um like. Uh, with with his disciples was to breathe into them, and he breathed his life, the spirit of God into them, and they've they've caught something. the, the Maori people have really got something, that is a gift to New Zealand. It's a gift to I reckon it's to the world really. Um, it's the hongi, and and I feel like the, the and I just know that I know that I know that the Father is honging us right now, and particularly our Maori people too. I, I feel I just know that the Father is honging. Um, us and all through the night last, night I just kept waking up and, and just and just felt like I was in the Hongi of the Father. You know how um, the prodigal son, he just was. The fathers ran to him and kissed him and kissed him and held him in his embrace and kissed him and kissed him until he knew that he was a son and he could go away from that becoming a son again and not an orphan. And I just know that the Father is right now just wanting to us to um, just understand the hongi, <laughs> because in a hongi it's the exchange of breath, it's the breath of that person that you're honging, with into me, and and I'm, my hongi and my breath is going into that person, and as we just, um, I just felt, and I just this morning I was just blown away with the father in my in my, my quiet time with the lord i was just just seeing the father just waking everybody up in Moidawa with the hongi and just everybody waking up in the morning with the, with the father's nose pressed to their nose <laughs> and waking up to the father and um and i just i just know he's doing that with all of us you know to, to to go to sleep in the hongi to wake in the hongi to wake up in the night in the hongi and to go all day long in the hongi <laughs> so bless you my friends
0: awesome thank you Vicky. That is so good. Sharing the breath. The, the very essence of the Hongi is to actually share the same breath. And that's what we're doing with our, our wonderful Savior, with Jesus, um, sharing the breath. Well, if you have a Bible this morning, um, or it will be up on the big screen, I think, um, I want to just share from a verse here in Acts 22, um, just to begin this morning. Um, Acts 22.14, um, and let's turn to that, and we have it here. This is in the context of um, Paul. The Apostle Paul was describing his um, experience and giving an account of his life and defending his life um, and, and telling his life story. And he says this, he says in verse 14, he says, Then the God of our fathers, this is what the Lord said to him, that the God of our fathers has chosen you, that you, might, that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. And our theme this morning is about being chosen. About being chosen. And, uh, you know, every one of us has been Chosen by the Father, by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Holy Spirit, every single one of us, not according to our goodness, not according to our abilities, not according to uh, our, our anything about us, but the Lord has chosen us. And what a wonderful thing it is today to be celebrating the fact that we are chosen. And as God um, unpacks this for us, that you know, we, when, we, when I came to Christ, I thought I'd found Jesus. It was a little while down the track, I figured out he found me. And uh, that was so much more powerful in my life, that he had his eye on me, that I began to understand that he had called me from years beyond. Um, my, before I was even born, before I was even thought of, before I was even a twinkle in my father's eye, Jesus had put his hand upon us every one of us, and called us to himself. And so, um, you know, as I was reflecting on Paul, and he shares an amazing testimony of his own call and his own encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus. And those of you who may know a little of the story of Paul know that he he was totally opposed to Christianity. He was vehemently opposed, and he lived his life Um, by the law, the law of um, Moses, with all his heart. And he was faithful to the law uh, to the nth degree. And when Christianity began to surface, when Jesus arrived um, on the planet, Paul was convinced this was wrong, and he was totally opposed. And he had an encounter on the Damascus Road, and his life was radically transformed. And it was so great the other night hearing Trent talk about the radical transformation of his life these are experiences where god comes to us sometimes gently sometimes in deep trial and difficulty but the lord comes and reveals his himself to us and so as we think about paul this morning this man who was chosen and by the lord and encountered christ on the road to damascus he, he was radically transformed and became a a just as powerful, turned the opposite direction and began to walk with Jesus with all his heart. And this man, as we think about him, my first response to his testimony is about Paul's unique and world-changing apostleship. This man who, who was so opposed, who became so pro the gospel. I think about this fearless proclaimer of God's of God's word, of the good news of Jesus. This miracle worker, this pioneer missionary, this father to the churches, and this writer of much of our New Testament. What a remarkable transformation in his life and what uh, the things that he did. And so um, you can be a little overawed as you look at Paul and think, wow, (laughs) the impact of his life was so phenomenal. But you know what? Every one of us, has a call. Each of us has been chosen to. And each of us has a unique and distinct set of giftings and abilities upon our lives, and we're all called to. And uh, not according to any of our own merit, but according to the grace of God, each of us called with a distinct and unique um, purpose to, uh, into the kingdom of God. And as I was reflecting on Paul And looking a little deeper at his life, Uh, and you go back and you read some other passages and you discover that the Apostle Paul, um, in the first number of years after his encounter with Christ, didn't immediately begin um, a world-changing ministry. He actually was in the wilderness of um, Arabia. He went back to Damascus, and he was unknown to much of the Jewish world. And he had been out in the wilderness there and it had had um, obviously some amazing ongoing encounters with the Lord. To the, and he says in Galatians that the revelation he had of Christ didn't come from the apostles that were existing, but came by revelation directly from the Lord. And he received the revelation of the gospel and how it was meant to go to the Gentiles and how um, God had commissioned him for that work. But before his great exploits, and before he went out and amazingly transformed his world, and in fact much of the known world, the Lord had taken him aside to reprogram his life, his mind, and his thinking out of all the law and legalism into the grace of God, into the love of Christ, in meeting this wonderful Person who was so filled this Jesus with love. So he was programmed to a new way of life. And Paul was chosen first to this. And this is what I want to focus on this morning. Um as I know when we think about, as I think about Paul and the degree in which and the way in which he's chosen, I think about a world changer. But I want to focus on this this morning, that Paul was chosen first to relationship with Jesus before he was chosen to do a job. He was called first into relationship and out of that relationship flowed the function. And I want to just say this this morning, God did not choose us to get a job done. He chose us To become part of a heavenly family. He chose us to reveal the the greatness of His love. The great desire He has to have relationship with us. The great passion in the heart of Jesus and in the the Holy Spirit and and in the Father is to bring us into a heavenly family and into relationship with Him. And when Jesus, we read, when Jesus first chose the 12, it was firstly to be with him. And you can read that as you read about the call of the, uh, of the 12 disciples, that it says there in the Gospels that he chose the 12 firstly to be with him, and the with him was before the for him. And that's what I want to just emphasize this morning. We're chosen first to be with him before we're chosen to go for him. And uh, this is so powerful and so important. You know, when Jesus began his ministry, um, he was 30 years growing up uh, in a family and walking with the Father. And three and a half years for the Father doing. 30 years of relationship Three and a half years of service, and those three and a half years were so powerful because they grew out of the foundation of this incredible witness of the Father, this relationship that he had with the Father. You see, when you read of Jesus baptism, and I love reading Jesus baptism, about the Holy Spirit as he come up out of the water, descending upon him, the voice of the Father. Um, saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You know, Jesus hadn't actually done anything. And Father is saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And every one of us needs to hear, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter. Before you do you go for him, you need to be with him to hear and to understand how loved you are. How much the, the, that the Father's love is poured out upon you. And how important you are. That your value doesn't come from what you do, but from the family you're in. Your identity, your self-worth don't come from the service that you do for the Lord. They come from His love for you. That you're part of a heavenly family. And you're chosen firstly to this, not to do, but to be, to be in him and to know the greatness of his love. And Jesus said this, and, 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 and Paul read, read from that great prayer of Jesus in John 17 this morning. Verse 24, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. Incredible. Jesus knew where he had come from. He knew He knew the security, the incredible security that comes out of being loved, not because of your performance, not because of your abilities, not because of what you do, but because of who you are in Him. And Jesus was secure in that love. And of course, we read in John 14 that so secure was He that He took a towel and girded Himself and washed the disciples' feet knowing where he had come from and where he was going. The ability to serve comes out of this incredible security of knowing it's not your performance that earns you points. It's not your, your, your work that brings you approval. You're already approved. You're already loved. Just when you come to Jesus, you're absolutely received, approved, and loved. And you can't get any more loved, and you can't get any less loved. We didn't do anything to earn it, and we can't do anything to lose it. He loves us, and we are so valuable to him. And then Paul says this in Ephesians 1:4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You see, Jesus and the God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit had chosen us before the foundation of the world. Isn't that phenomenal? You know, God created the world, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. He created us in His image. He did that all without you or without me. So we're not called primarily because God can't. We're called in an amazing privilege to extend because we're called because God wanted to extend His family. And he would not do it without us. He wants us to participate, but he calls us primarily to know him and be in his family and to participate in the building of his kingdom. Um, I uh, wanted to just share with you a little bit this morning um, Along this line, because I believe it's so important to us. Do you know in Romans 814 to 17, it says that we've received the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. We've come into an incredible relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're being adopted into His family. Galatians tells us this that we're no longer slaves, but sons. And this is so, so powerful. We're not servants, but sons. We're called to family. You know, and ladies, don't think that doesn't include you. Um, When the Bible uses that term, sons, it includes all the ladies as well. Just as us men, when we're called the bride of Christ, (laughs) we're getting used to that, but you bride, (laughs) you know, we're the bride, and uh, we're sons and daughters of God. We're the bride of Christ. Um, 1 John That little book at the back of the Bible says, in in chapter three, it says, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the children of God. And so this amazing place of knowing the love. You know, I I learned something very powerfully just recently after years of working and living in a Maori community. I was sitting with a Maori brother one day and he said to me this, we were just um, talking and having a good corridor, and he said this to me. He said, you know, um, what do you do when you first meet somebody that you don't know? You say you're in a crowd and you walk up to someone and you meet someone. What, what do you do to make conversation? I say, well, I usually ask them where they're from, and, but more likely I'll say to them, what do you do? And um, he said, that's right, that's what you do. You ask people what they do. He said, you know what I would do? He said, my first response to somebody is, who are you? Where did you come from? And I want to just, you know, I really went home and thinking about that so much, and I thought, yeah, I'm so programmed on the do. He was programmed on the who are you. In other words, he wanted to know where did you come from? What's your connections? Where do you fit and I thought, that's so like Heavenly Father. He doesn't want to know what you do. He wants, he wants you to understand who you are before you do. And so relationship before function. And uh, look, a little of my own journey. I grew up in a, a farming environment, and, and um, we were still developing the land back in those days. And I grew up in a, in a home that was focused on doing Um, We were focused from daylight to dark on farming and um, developing the land and looking after animals. And So what was valued in my early years was this achievement, results. Above all other things in life, what you achieved, what you'd done. And uh, that was what was valued. That was what was applauded. And probably much of my generation was the same. That was how the world was for us. What was really gave you value was what you did. That was where your value came from. And uh, we were pretty good at being Martha's and not Mary's. You know Martha in the Scripture? She, Martha, um, was the the one who was focused on the do, looking after the meal preparations and looking after Jesus. And Mary was sitting at his feet listening to Jesus. And uh, you know the story where Martha... Um, went to Jesus and said, you better tell Mary to get out here and help me because she's just lazy. And Jesus said, she has chosen the better part. And I just want to you know, say this morning, you know, when the fact that we're chosen to relationship, you know, one of the most beautiful, wonderful things we can do is choose him. Choose him for who he is. Choose to be with him. Choose to be in his presence. Choose to drink of his love and to so know we're loved before we begin the get caught up with the do. So in my growing years, we gained self-worth and value from what we could do and what I did do. We were independent, we were uh, uh, valued hard work and success, and that was what gave self-worth. Uh, I came to realize. Um, through a very powerful, um, you know, as I was, you know, came into the kingdom of God, my first response to the gospel was, thank you, Jesus, you forgave me. And what do you want me to do? You know, I'm here for you now, Lord. And so that that was how life was, focused on the do. But the relational foundation of value because of Father's love was very shallow and no real understanding of that. And so, I was forgiven to serve. Let's get on with it, it was really my, my early beginnings of, of the Christian walk. Um, and so really the orphan spirit having to earn by doing rather than this revelation of knowing I was loved. I'd been in ministry for five years when Vicky came along um, after many prayers. And uh, we married in 1986. And uh, this was one remarkable woman who came into my life. And uh, what an amazing experience in those early years. But the first year was not a happy story. In the first year of our marriage, um, my thinking went like this. Wow, now I can go out even more nights and do Bible studies. Wow, I don't have to come home and cook anymore. I've got someone to do that. And wow, the washing's going to be done and the house is going to be cleaned. The first year, you guess what happened, ladies? <laughs> it was not good. And, uh, and I would come home to a wife in tears. And, uh, and through that first year, the first year of our marriage was one we look back to um, and pinpoint as... An experience of understanding at a whole new level. You see, I misunderstood Genesis chapter two, where it said it was good that um, it says Adam was uh, alone, and and God said it's not good that Adam's alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. I got the helper bit, but I didn't get the alone bit. And so she married for relationship. I married for a helper. Her dreams all turned to to custard because this guy she married was gone and she was at home with all the work. And so it was a stormy year. But you see, I did not understand that the first call in, in marriage was to relationship any more than I understood that the first call this way was to relationship with him. And so... Um that was not good. You think I would have learned that in ministry quickly, but deep down I discovered over the years that I was gaining God's approval or wanted to gain his approval. You see, I was focused on that. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's me. You know, to the end. Let's do it. Vicky was not impressed when I told her the story of C.T. Studd, who left his wife in London to run the mission and the fundraising while he went to Africa. She hates that story, <laughs> and I don't blame her. But I was so focused on the do and not understanding the relationship. You see, we're called first to relationship and secondly to do. And so uh, I wanted to... And so I was on a journey, and some years into ministry, I attended a conference in, in Auckland with Selwyn Hughes. And some of you may know of Selwyn Hughes, he wrote some great devotional material, great counseling material. And I was sitting in a one-day conference down there, and he was just speaking about the love of God. And uh, I remember sitting there and then gradually falling apart in that meeting and realizing how little I knew experientially, of God's great love for me and how motivated I was to serve out of a wrong foundation. And so he began to sing a little song called, it's based on an old hymn, actually, My Lord Loves Me uh, and all the wonders I see. A rainbow shines through my window. My Lord loves me. And there's a couple more verses to that. And they're very powerful. But I absolutely fell apart as I encountered the love of God at a level I'd never understood or experienced. And so it was a transformational experience realizing this foundation of relationship, chosen first to know his love, chosen first to be in relationship with him above all else. And we must be with him before we go for him. And let your four come out of your with. Let your four come out of your with. Because whenever we begin to run our lives um, purely doing the do, without the strong connection of his love flowing into our lives, we, you are running on reserve. You know, I've got an old Honda Quad at home that I use on our little lifestyle block. And... Uh, And I usually forget to put fuel in that thing for weeks and weeks and weeks. And one day I'm cruising along and it stops. And I go, oh, yeah, I know what's wrong. Turn the tap to reserve and away I go. But not for long. If I don't put fuel in it then, next time it runs out, I'm going to be stranded. And I want to tell you this, you can run on reserve for a while. But the intention of, 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 of that system is to remind you to fill up your tank. And I want to just encourage you that when your service becomes a little much leaning toward uh, pure duty, when your service and when you walk with him becomes leaning a little bit toward, um, I just got to be there because I've committed to be there. When it just leans that direction, I want to tell you that you need to go and fill up again. You need to go into the quiet place and you need to let him love you. And let him pour into your life again. Because service is always meant to flow out of the overflow. Out of the overflow. Not out of reserve. Not out of just pure commitment. And to know how much we're loved. You see, service is meant to flow out of abiding in the vine. Abiding in him. And I, just in closing today, um, that's my thought this morning. Um, from, I'm, I'm a local boy <laughs> from Northland, and sharing with you some of my life journey. But I want to tell you this is so important. If you can get this early in your life, if you can get this in your service with, to the Lord. And uh, I, I apologize for using a rise over the church, Paul, but I guess, I guess it was in my heart because I thought about you guys arose Years ago, when the Lord called you to plant this church, you arose. I know, it was a rise. You arised, (laughs) rose, and then you got excited. Because when you arise to the call of God and to His love, you'll get excited. And I felt the Lord saying that the excitement in this house is quite special. When we walk in here, we feel love. We feel acceptance. We feel Wanted. We feel family, and we feel excitement. And so as a group of people, you've captured, and through the leadership here, you've captured something very powerful that's going to actually impact Northland. You know, um, Christianity, that's exciting. Christianity that's so desirable that people can't say no to the goodness of God. And that's what He wants for us. And, uh, you know, as I said, in closing out this morning, we need to just be very um, aware of our all of us to sit in his presence, to know his great love, to choose. There's one thing you can choose. We might have been chosen by the Lord initially before we chose him, but now you can choose to be in his presence more than you choose to do stuff for him. And I'll tell you, that's the place of transformation. That's the place where his love so flows into your life that you are transformed by his great love. You know, as, as Vicky said earlier, when the prodigal son came home, the father hugged him. And, uh, and Vicki likes to say this. She said he stayed in the hug. He stayed in the hug till he knew he was a son. And some of us need to stay in the hug. We need to stay in the hug of God, until we know we are loved, and we are accepted, and we are so important to him, not because of what we can do, not because of what we can give, not because of our talents or abilities, because we're, we're just loved because he loves us. As Graham Cook said, he loves us because he loves us, because he loves us, because he loves us. He goes on for another three minutes on that. But he doesn't love you. Because of anything you do, he loves you because he loves you. And that's your foundation. And when that's secure, you will go like Paul. Or more correctly, like you. Because you're unique. And you're designed to carry him in a unique and special way. And you will go, Paul will go like Paul. And Ruth will go like Ruth. But out of this incredible foundation of security that He loves me, and out of that, I can give myself to Him with full confidence and full faith. I want you this morning, just as we close out the service, I'm just going to invite you, firstly, just for a moment, um, to just bow our heads, and I just want to invite you to just sit there for a moment, say, so Jesus, You're the most important thing to me. You know, Lord, knowing you is the most powerful thing in my life.